appreciated. And the upside, if you do die on it, I guess, you know, it's recorded, so I won't have to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> what happened at the time of the death? Well, we were, we were recording. We were recording a podcast from our uh, mountain escape. I'll uh, make sure my <laughs> last words are, Brett did it. Brett, Brett poisoned me. <laughs> E2, Brett. E2, Brett. <laughs> E2, Brettas. <laughs> there you go. This is going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. I'm mostly just looking Kicking up the energy. to uh, mozzarella sticks afterwards. Fuck yeah, mozzarella sticks <laughs> and spaghetti. going to be two fat kids watching fucking something dumb or child murder. But that's what we do here at the Nightmare Box. Presenting Mistakes Were Made. My name's Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the slowly waning in and out of existence, Kristen Pennington. That's all the enthusiasm I have. <laughs> That's all the enthusiasm you've had for like three weeks. That's all I brought with me. Yep, and we're sorry about missing the show on Sunday. Kristen's not been feeling so hot, um, and we just couldn't swing it. And I'm sorry that we can't bring you a two-star this week. Again, Kristen's not been feeling so hot, so we couldn't swing it. But we will be back sorry, on the two-stars. Sorry. sorry, not sorry. <laughs> but we have been watching some funny stand-ups, mm-hmm. um, and that's about it. No, yep, no real life film updates. Didn't, didn't do anything <laughs> spectacular. Um, I finished my O.J. Simpson book. What'd you think of it? I thought it was fucking brilliant. I, I read cover to cover. I even read like the uh, epilogue and the afterward that were attached at the end. So, I would highly suggest uh, the run of his life by Jeffrey Tubin. It's a pretty solid take. They made it into a Netflix series. The book's better. The book's always better. And you're gonna learn things in the book that'll cause you to annoy your girlfriend when you guys sit down to watch the miniseries yeah, positive every few minutes <laughs> yeah it's like well why did they do that it's like well it's because of these 15 other things they didn't have the time for in this I format i don't think i even asked you most of the time when you pause like i think i asked you two questions every other time you were pausing you're like, that's the interesting thing about this moment is yeah, the interesting thing about this guy is he would go on <laughs> to start the innocence project <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I do. I read things and then I annoy Kristen every time we try to watch a documentary about something that I've already read about. We watch every serial killer documentary, pausing it 15 times and being like, what you didn't know is that 1979. <laughs> and then most of the time we'll unpause it and then the next thing out of the narrator's mouth is, that is not all, back in 1979. And I'm like, well, fuck, I just wasted 20 minutes explaining something. That was about to happen. Yeah. But you love me for it. I do. And I, I love do. you. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Cheers. But, <laughs> but, uh, we're here to talk about what today, Kristen, with the show notes? Um, so I was reading some articles earlier today, and it felt kind of appropriate since we've actually put out one of our short films now. Happy birthday. <laughs> Available was, on. Um, YouTube.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. Fuck yeah. As well as the Nightmare Box blog. Goddamn right. Go check um, it out. <laughs> but no, I was reading an article that was talking about the value of making short films over feature films, mm-hmm. and I thought that that was an interesting topic, especially considering, like I said, we've got our first official short in this line of short films that we're doing out, and Brett and I are kind of working out the kinks for our uh, film that'll be out in April. Yeah, so As in, uh, I need to write a script that is shootable, because first <laughs> script, not shootable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was like 
um, reading a bunch of different stuff about short films and they kind of referenced the short film as like your calling card almost. So mm-hmm. I thought that was I a neat way. That. What? I could see that. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a neat way to think about it because, you know, it builds your portfolio for one. The more films you have in your portfolio or the more work you have in your portfolio, obviously the more work you have to showcase. Yeah. But, um, you know, it also helps you, which is the thing I think we've talked about was kind of our goal like build your skill set so as you're doing more work and you know just kind of putting in the time ideally you're improving over time you know ideally you're not just kind of doing the same tricks over and over again so you're building up this showcase of all the different skills that you have available Mm -hmm. like we got a dolly shot in the uh in happy birthday Mm -hmm. And uh, now if I need to write that into the script or something like that, I could be like a dolly shot zooming in on the face. I know what to do. We know how to execute that. All we that. have is a skateboard. Well, we right can now, figure so. it out. We figured it out. It's a dolly, okay? It is not a penny board that you bought that you don't use. <laughs> we gave it a purpose, okay? <laughs> I'm going to find a way to like make it taller, though. Yeah. And uh, still stable. <laughs> we'll glue something to it. should have bought a bigger board. That's the problem. <laughs> I shouldn't have bought such a small board. We're going to need a bigger board. <laughs> <laughs> we can get one we at, at Walmart for like 20 bucks. Well, maybe we should do that like so we have a bigger quote-unquote dolly. Goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll just have to turn get a mic, Get a mic stand, glue that to the top of the skateboard. See, now we're working. Now there we're being go. creative. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> but you build your repertoire. You build your skill set. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was talking about if you, like, submit your short films to like festivals and mm-hmm. stuff you kind of build your credibility and your audience as well because you know more people are seeing your work and you know if your work is good enough to be recognized at these film festivals and win awards and stuff like that you're kind of i'm basically building up a mm-hmm. hey look at me i'm i'm impressive building like, a career portfolio. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um it kind of had me thinking which i mean i have you know, other stuff to talk about as far as short films go, but it had me kind of thinking. That's okay. Love, we got time. We're six minutes in. We can go with one topic. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not trying to like completely be like, oh, that's it. That's all I had to say. About I thought short that's films. exactly what you were about no, to do. You'd be no. like, okay, and no discussion. Moving forward. No, I, I have several other notes about short films. Everybody just... get the notes. Next power slide. <laughs> <laughs> it had me kind of thinking. Um, you know how that would work for a writer because you had a couple of classes whenever you were in school where it was just strictly short yeah. you know um, did short film or not short film short story yeah. and i did uh, flash fictions yeah yeah and then your uh, book that's out is a collection of short mm-hmm. stories so like i don't know is there the same value there for someone who's a writer i think you get a lot of the same things out of it because i was trying to come up with something profound that would make it different um and the only thing that i can think of that would be different from working on a short film is pacing is different uh, I can sit in a short story for a lot longer than you can sit in a short film I can pace that however I want I can pull in I can go back so I've got a lot more room to play with it's still technically a short story but a short story is like anything short of a novella so I've got up to like 15 or 25,000 words you know to dick around in whereas writing for a short film um I found myself a lot more cognizant of the pace of staying with the action, of keeping things moving, not letting it really rest in any one particular area. Do you feel like, though, because you do have, um, uh, like, a novel that's not published that you've written? I've got two. 
unpublished novels. <laughs> dirt off the shoulder. And a feature film that I'm editing. Dirt off the other shoulder. <laughs> but do you find that doing the shorter work kind of helps you when you go to For do sure. the longer work? Like Yeah. Well, that's why I used to do and need to get back to. I used to do a story a week on the website. So I had hundreds of them up there at one point. Don't go looking for them. I took them all down because <laughs> I'm a genius. Um <laughs> There's a couple on there. There's a there's a few, yeah. Um, but no, it, it makes you focus a lot more on the finer details, and it's why I took the flash fiction course to begin with. When I, you know, the great Dr. Arroyo, who I speak of uh, very highly on here, um, taught me flash fiction as a scene. You know, one individual scene. A short story is like a, a collection of meaningful scenes, but only like the bare bones of the meaningful to tell, you know, outside of one particular scene. And when you focus that tightly in on something, like you were talking about microfilm uh, before we got on here, is that what you called it? Yeah, microfilm. Yeah, that would be like the equivalent of the flash fiction. So because you're that close, you're focused on the only things that matter. You don't have time to reflect back when Jimmy's grandma passed away. You don't, you know, have time to dick around with, uh, that was my drive to the house. Now let's go into the house and get in the action. It starts, you and I are having this conversation. Two sentences ago was the opening line. You're here. Boom, boom, boom. You're pulling out. You know, yeah. you've got to cover like a very, very narrow avenue in Flash. Um, and then when you blow that back up, like when you start writing the novel, when you go back through, I would not suggest doing it in the rough draft process. You'll drive yourself fucking crazy. But when you go back through and you've got an area where it's weaker, you can focus in and treat that as a short story or treat that as a flash fiction. So if I'm tripped up on these 500 to 2000 words, I now know how to look at that, and all I need to do is grab the camera and fucking crank the focus and, you know, get right into what it is to avoid the nuances of borrowed words and all that horseshit. Yeah. Um, I do think that's kind of clever on your end to have... That's all I am, love. <laughs> I am constantly nothing but clever. <laughs> like, to have, you know, before when you had more time for it, been cranking out these regular short films, cause that, or sorry, uh, short stories, because that was a thing that they were kind of arguing in promotion for the short film over mm -hmm. the features, that with, like, the invention of technology and... Um, you know, some smartphones and stuff like that, like attention spans are just shorter. Yeah. So like the advantageous thing with a short film would be if people get bored and want to step away, your short film is ideally short enough that they're not hitting that point. Yeah. And then like with you, you know, it, well, especially with a short film, you can use it almost as a distraction, you know, mm -hmm. like how many YouTube videos does the average American watch in the afternoon? Yeah. If you make it 15 minutes or less, they're not going to click out, you know, five minutes in. Cause now you're, you've gone from the A to B in the plot. Yeah. And I feel like that's a, just a pacing thing. <laughs> I feel like that's got to be especially true for short stories, though, because I do feel like people have, like, a significantly lower yeah. tolerance for, like, sitting with something. And with films, you're kind of passively doing mm -hmm. it. Like, you can just kind of have it in the background and still be doing other things if your mind kind of drifts. But with reading, you have to actually sit down and read it. Yeah, and so... this is Trump's America. There are a whole <laughs> lot of people out here reading books. But having, like, a series of short stories mm -hmm. that you're putting out regularly or a collection of short stories just that you've put out in general it can kind of like i don't know like bait people into yeah. your longer work it makes like it hey, a... <laughs> hey read this 
read this. This is it short. Can, <laughs> it can do that, and it's a lot more accessible because it doesn't take as much time. You're not asking as much from the reader mm-hmm. um, in that regard. But you have to go in it knowing that most people have a 140-character-long attention span. You know, People don't read long Facebook <laughs> posts. So every sentence needs to matter if you're going to play that game. You can have this really intricate plot, and you can write, you know, fucking The Stand, which I haven't read yet. It's too goddamn long for me right now. <laughs> don't have that kind of time on my hands. Um, but that's plot-based. I guarantee you, if I sit down and I read The Stand, there's going to be massive chunks where I'm like, all right, King, I get it. The dress is yellow. Like, (laughs) I can comprehend that. You don't have that kind of luxury when you're working in a a very finite amount of words. Yeah. And, um... How does it work with shots? Because, like, I'm, I'm trying to think in terms of, like, words and sentences. Um... You, you you can't have long lingering shots in a short film. Yeah, they actually well in general in films I can't remember exactly what it is. It's super, super short though. They recommend not having a shot that's longer than like five seconds, I think, mm-hmm. is like the recommendation because they're like after that amount of time people tend to either get bored or feel uncomfortable or whatever. So like when you see long takes like they're usually very intentional and they're supposed to be you know creating some kind of mood for the film so like even with like the scene in happy birthday (laughs) where man crosses the street is the longest shot in the whole film if i'm remembering Mm. correctly and it feels so (sighs) yeah you know as opposed to the rest of it it's so impactful because it's the only thing that stays for longer than that you know i do think that's kind of weird and interesting though that that's a thing that artists in general no matter what kind of work you do have to think about like the science of how long will someone tolerate this before they get bored (laughs) but yeah i think it's like three to five seconds i think with films is what they recommend keeping your shots at and i don't think i've ever timed it you know what the average is for like a feature no in general that's oh period period i thought that you meant just for the short no for your individual shots in your work like they recommend um that's why they cut back and forth to like mids and Mm close-ups or like whenever two people are talking you kind of switch back and forth between i think they do it because they're trying to get all the editors to commit suicide (laughs) (laughs) no but they they say um yeah like people's eyes will kind of start to drift along the screen Mm -hmm. or kind of like focus on other things if you linger for too long like people visually get bored with it so yeah it's like three to five seconds per shot you're supposed to bam 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 constantly i'm trying to think of like a good um example and the only thing that's hitting me right now for like going over that cutback thing where it really worked is uh there will be blood did you watch that one about the oil tycoon Mm -hmm. i can't remember the name of the actor but he's a very famous actor whose name i should know i know fuck off um but there's a, he's like this oil tycoon. He's like burying all the other people. He's a fucking, he's a bastard, you know, uh, capitalist type uh, story from the Old West. And there's a scene near the end where he's explaining to the younger guy how he just got fucked out of all the money that he thought he was going to be getting. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it focuses in on his side of his face as he goes on this long like biblical monologue but because the rest of the film is cut up in these you know clipped up ways when he explains himself and they stick with him you know he does get up and move around the room and he does the whole 
my straw starts over here and I drink your milkshake. You know, <laughs> kind of is like the, the whole point to his thing. So he's walking around the room as he's delivering the monologue. So it's not a true steady shot, but the camera doesn't really move inside of that space. It's yeah. like watching a man on a stage, you know, give a soliloquy. Yeah, and there are a couple of really cool long takes where I can't think of either of the names of the films. Like, I can picture the scene in my head, but I think you might know what I'm talking about. There's one where it's like a a gangster movie or something they're going through like a restaurant i can't remember that's a lot of it's almost anything that involves italians it's like a a restaurant a follow (laughs) shot any martin scorsese movie has (laughs) a restaurant right now thinking what that movie is but there's like a long take where they're just following the people that are walking through the restaurant oh goodfellas is it goodfellas yeah yeah, it's tony two tony two times he called max he says everything two times he's reading the paper reading the paper yeah, I think yeah he's like name. giving all the nicknames of all the people that are in the nightclub. Yes, I think, yeah. That might be it. Maybe. No. If not, it's, it's not a bad example. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there are a lot of, and that's a good example. Of Al Pacino, like... Godfather 2. You no, know, not Al Pacino, Godfather. Al Pacino in 1, where he does the restaurant scenes, another good one of those types of shots. Uh, but Godfather 2, when Fredo gets the bullet in the back of the dome, and it's just that long shot over the lake, and then mm. you, you just... And the body falls down. Yeah, I think mean, yeah. that's a good example for when you know the rules, you can break them and make mm-hmm. them meaningful. So yeah, there are like films that definitely effectively don't follow those rules, but it's not just like oh, I just felt like picking yeah. the shot longer. No, it's know? the same reason when we talk about writing that we talk about combining short, choppy sentences with long, you know, sentences that don't have commas that just go and 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 and, and mm-hmm. period, one word, normal sentence, normal sentence period you know break it up so there's a rhythm yeah yeah um shoot i was about to go somewhere and i've blanked you're you're running the conversation (laughs) um Um, i kind of want to do both ends i i was going to say something else with that and it totally left me but i kind of want to do both ends of this because like we do that's what i'm trying to do i just don't know if i'm doing no i don't i don't No, you're doing great. I don't mean both ends of writing. (laughs) I don't don't mean writing and filmmaking. I mean both ends of this specific concept. Like we do the reviews on the two stars. Mm -hmm. And like one of the big things we've talked about a lot recently, I feel like is, um, and I'm going to quote some Shakespeare here for you. (laughs) No, I have a reason to hate Shakespeare even more because I didn't get a call back from that fucking bookstore. Um, (laughs) Brevity is the soul of wit. Oh my god. How cultured are you? <laughs> so we've like talked a lot on our like reviews for short films, like sometimes it feels like it was a very small idea that just got stretched into yeah. a feature length film. And that is a bastard. That's yeah. when you write a good spec script and you've got nothing. <laughs> yeah. So that's like one of the things that they were kinda of using to promote the short film over the feature film is sometimes all it is is just a short film, yeah. you know, and you can ruin a perfectly good story by trying to stretch it out into something that it's just not. Mm-hmm. So, um, like on the flip side, they were arguing that you could also, if you had a really good feature film idea, shoot a short, yeah. sorry, <coughs> shoot a short film to kind of promote it and, um, Gain attention for your feature so that eventually you can yeah. make a feature. Get the interest involved. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> and that having, again, it's kind of a calling card, having that short version of the feature film that you want to do kind of sets you apart from people that just have 
just the written word, and mm-hmm. you're kind of like, oh, but this is what it could potentially look yeah. like, or whatever. This is what I'm aiming for. Yeah, so, um... I, I love the Saw story. <laughs> <laughs> Started as a short film. So, like, I'm kind of curious, have you ever had, like, moments like that where you started with a really short story and you're like, that would be cooler, like, if I built normally more on the, it? Or... Normally the opposite of that situation, you know, where it's like, man, this would be a really cool thing. And then I, I sit and I think about it and it really boils down to, like, one moment and I'm trying to build. And you know when you're trying to do it and when it's naturally happening, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm trying to build this thing into something more than it is. I've done that countless times and then just been like, fuck it. These three scenes are all I need. Go from there. Yeah. And I've watched you too, which I think is interesting. That's cause... weird. <laughs> Shut up. Why are you being a weirdo today? I've watched you too, which I think is kind of interesting, like develop. Which song? Was it the, <laughs> the what about Martin Luther King? I'm going to smack you. I've been watching you, too. I've now been watching you. You as well. Um, I need some post-work humor. I'm going to stab you with this the, pen. I'm making this That's interesting. That's going to be how you go down as a writer. You get, I'm, I'm going to make this pen disappear. You might have just you given me my plot trick. twist for the fucking story that I'm struggling with. But go ahead. <laughs> like, no, because I've, I've seen you. I mean, you don't really let me read your work until you're kind of more done with it but i've like seen you like do little snippets of shorts that didn't really go anywhere and then like start working on a different work and then kind of pull those into one work Mm -hmm. together so no it's important to keep your you know your journals and stuff i found another one in the jeep today that i'd forgotten about (laughs) journal. yeah like a a composite notebook because i was looking for paper so i could take you know some semblance of notes for tonight's show and um, I started flipping through, and there were some like broken up lines of poetry that were in there. And you, you see the way I write. I've got a whiteboard that is in our kitchen, and it's oh, just words are written on top of words. It's every fucking which way. It looks. If you've got OCD, you will not be able to handle my whiteboard. <laughs> I do whiteboard. have a bit of OCD. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's why I do it that way. But like in my notebooks, like everything's like written diagonally across the page. Like I don't follow the lines. Some things are circled and they're drawn to other things. And then I'll abandon them. But when I was flipping through one of my old psycho-ass notebooks, I found a line in one of the poems, like just kind of in passing, uh, that I am definitely going to use in something. I I can't tell it to you because I'm definitely going to use it. But it was like (laughs) so beautifully poetic. I was like, the rest of this might be dog shit. But it means he's not telling it to you. He's going to tell it to me. Yeah, I'm so happy that I found the notebook because that just that one sentence like shot 15 things out of my brain. So I write scenes all the time that go absolutely nowhere. Some of them never leave my yellow pads. But if you're out there and you're writing, you're trying to figure out how to do this. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm rambling. I know. But, um, Stephen King in On Writing has this whole theory about... Um, Never come to the blank page empty-handed or some shit like that. It's something, you know, around that. It's not the exact quote. And what he meant was, you know, carry your notebook and, and write in that, write in that. So when you get to the blank page, you're not scared shitless. You have something there that you can grow on. You know, read a sentence out of that notebook. Try to blow it up <coughs> to hit your word count for the day. Yeah, but even the... which comes back to the short film, so it's relevant. I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm rambling. No, post-work episode. No, you're connecting okay. stuff that I wanted to say anyway. Um, 
even the stuff that you write that you kind of end up like abandoning or you don't like it and you never come back to it is still like you kind of like fleshing out your style and kind of learning mm-hmm. and growing as an artist and that was like another argument for like why you should make short films is because they're not um as big a risk honestly yeah. as a feature film like you don't have to dump anywhere near as much money into them they're not as time consuming we made our last one for like 25 dollars. yeah and <laughs> like you don't have to spend as much time or energy on yeah. them to make them just because they are shorter so it's a place where you can experiment and fail and be fine mm-hmm. or with like a feature film if you put out your big huge first feature yeah. debut you could have dumped thousands or millions of dollars into it wind up in debt the film flops you don't make your money back and everybody knows you as this really crappy i've been working on the nightmare box so long it spawned a website and a (laughs) production company okay it's not (laughs) it's not ready it is nowhere near ready i've got some massive issues but yeah if i poured the time that i've poured into that thing and then just sent it off right now Thank God I'm smart enough to know that it's dog shit, you know, like it's not where I need it to be. Yeah. Maybe one quarter of it is ready after all these years of working on that thing. But if I dropped it right now, all those years are for naught. There's a lot more risk as opposed to if I have another beer and decide to sit down and clickety clack in the next hour and a half, a short story, do a quick edit, throw it on the website no harm, no foul. You don't like it, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I feel like people in general don't see it as impactful on your career in yeah. general. So like if I put out a flop of a short film or you put out a flop of a story, they'd just be like, I didn't care for that one. Yeah. You know? I wrote a whole essay once about birds that I saw in a park in London and like a, a day drunk, just like the different people that I saw. And some people absolutely loved it and most people absolutely fucking hated it. They were like, <laughs> why are you writing about birds in a park? We come to, to you, you for your murder fucking psychosis. But that's the point though. I mean, like you can kind of, like if you want to try new things, like try new things. And if not everybody likes it, it doesn't at yeah. the end of the day, like massively affect you you can just kind of be like ah well that one didn't work out i tried gave it a shot i didn't pour all the money into you know wasting all the time to you know stroke my dick you could be a lot more experimental in the short firm Mm -hmm. short firm short form yeah i wanted film and form at the same time (laughs) and i got firm (laughs) have you ever been firm (laughs) <laughs> yes yeah. uh no have you ever done that well well i mean i guess you just kind of proof that you have but like have you ever intentionally sat down and done that while writing shorts like oh Gun like firm being a firm dick um no like sat down with like the intention of being like experimental in your writing when doing like a yeah. short piece oh, i do a thing with my uh, poetry that I've done since I was a kid and I've never let go of it which is I really like fucking with what if you like threw double meaning but made it obvious by throwing parentheses around them so I'll write some things and then like one word in the sentence I'll put parentheses about because that turns that one sentence into two sentences and it's just a fun exercise I used to do in the back of the school bus you know going to fucking middle school to dick around with how different sentences work. And when I'm, you know, wanting to be more experimental, I do a lot of that (coughs) because it allows me to, okay, well, if I exclude this one word, this sentence has two meanings. How do I get two meanings without having to parenthesize a word at all? 
dash an experiment that stuck around the dash was an experiment <laughs> the the most annoying experiment i've ever had was the semicolon and i got locked in the semicolon for like a solid year and i would just write these fucking 45 word sentences and i was like that makes me look smart because i don't know where the period goes and the whole page is just yeah. one sentence long. but the dash was it that was years the, the, the dash <laughs> is still there but now i know i can only have one or two <laughs> I can't M dash my way through. Twenty in a page. Yeah, because I would write a really cool sentence, and then I would M dash, and then I would just use adjectives. And in my head, that made sense because it was like, here's the thing, and here's how the character's perceiving the thing. You mm. know, Brett walks into the store. M dash anxiety blinding. Da da. You know, something like that. <clears throat> but now I've just figured out how to remove the M dash, drop a period, and then use those three adjectives with periods as opposed to m dashes so i did learn something from my m dash (laughs) have you ever put out any shorts that you felt like just totally flopped Uh, most of the madman (laughs) diaries i can't believe you guys like this stuff You sold a bunch of those that's totally yeah no I've, i've been writing since i was like 13 or 14 on the internet like i've i've had feedback since you know before i could get firm dicks <laughs> <laughs> so i've put out a lot of regrettable stories yeah i put out you... i put out one that was about a dude who hung himself but i thought it would be cool if i just described the rug on the floor and how long the rug had been on the floor and now there's a piss stain on the rug and you had to like infer whether what but i had a sentence where i was like the rug cost him three thousand dollars was more or less the the idea. And I remember getting this review from a person who was definitely not 13 years old who flipped the fuck out on me for putting a cost price on the rug on the floor. And I never forgot that. I never will. Why is that bad? So why do we need to know that it's $3,000? Why can't you just use the word expensive? Because it's specifically a $3,000. I I stand by my option. (laughs) Okay? I agree with little me's decision there, but... Yeah. Some of us, you know. Do you, like, what's your practice there? Do you leave the ones that you later go back and look at and go, oh, God, that sucks. Do you leave them up or do you take them Oh, I leave everything up. I will never tell you guys what the name is that I wrote under uh, in high school. But it it. exists on fiction press somewhere (laughs) in the world. And there are hundreds of stories that I wrote through high school. And they still make Kristen cry. So I, I was on to something, you know? I've been good at this for a minute. <laughs> like, as an adult, like, if you... If I had something up on the Nightmare Box of Flop? That you just, like, you like you personally went back later and were like, ah, oh, I don't know about that one. I mean, you if... You'd leave it up or take it down. I'd leave it up um, just because that's what I've always done. I'm not ashamed of it. If I'm sharing something, then it needed to be shared in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, unless... Like I was trying to make a statement that I no longer believed in, you know, mm. like if I watched something and if I was like, wrote well, rage. <laughs> yeah, kind of, you know, I would self-censor that if I wrote something where I felt like, for example, um, and this is not the case in any measure my <coughs> big thing from the beginning is I would like to write, I would like to establish myself and then write one of the greatest novels that's ever been written, and then give that novel to Suicide Awareness Charity. It's like one of my, you know, deep, dark goals. After I'm taken care of, you know, be like, (laughs) I don't need any more money. Fuck it. Everything is going to this charity. Um, 
but say that I'd written something that I felt um, would be likely to be misconstrued as like a support for the idea of suicide, you know? I would pull that now, like as an adult, having overcome and learned more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if something went against my ethics now, then I would go pull something. Yeah. But not just because creative you creatively you were like oh, I could have done better. No, because I learned something <coughs> from the feedback. And I'm like I'm kind of personally torn on that because I feel like ideally in a perfect world, the more short films we do, the better that my films would be as yeah. a result. I mean that's kind of the point. But um, like I have from whenever I was in school, like, put up films on my YouTube and then later been kind of like, you know, I didn't really like that one. Mm-hmm. And then taking it down and then later kind of had some time to sit with it and, like, have that moment where it's like, you know, considering it wasn't that bad. No, and you should always keep that one, as I was saying about the notebooks. Like, you should always keep that on your on your drive so you can go back and watch that and be like, man, I did a really cool shot there. I wonder if that would work in the thing I'm doing now. But... Films, in a way, they work a lot different, you know, to me. Yeah. I guess. But, like, um, and I'll, it's on my YouTube right now. If you guys want to go watch it, I'll go ahead and just say what I'm talking about. Um, I used my nieces a lot while I was in yeah. college for my short films because uh, I worked full time. bad at mathematics. <laughs> <laughs> I worked full time. I was a full time student. Yeah. And, um, Worked full-time at a hospital, so yeah. like 60 hours. Yeah, not, yeah. and there was a, a period there where I was taking more than the mm-hmm. full-time like limit yeah. for classes. So. And then you would come home and your boyfriend would make a <laughs> podcast, and those were the early days of the mistakes were made. So I had a lot on my plate, so when it came time to make my short films, a lot of the time I just used who was available, and that was usually my nieces. Yeah, and now it's me. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a, a film I did for my final project, um... Um, shoot. I think it was for like my beginning, because yeah, it was before we did the doll. So it was like my beginning-ish film classes, but it was like the more serious advanced level beginning-ish film classes. Mm -hmm. So like you had to do like actual very specific, like advanced work, but, um, it was still kind of beginner-ish. And I did a a short film with my nieces called Zombie Gone. Yeah. uh, The Zombie Gone commercial. Oh God, it's, it's. It's hilarious. It's cute. It's cheesy and it's ridiculous. And I, I it's will adorable. be the first person to admit it's not clever. It's the film school equivalent <laughs> of like when they used to make you make a brochure for like some fake thing so that everybody yeah. knew what it was like to be a successful entrepreneur <laughs> for a day. <laughs> it is not a clever film. And it was like a last minute kind of thrown together thing. But I, I did that. Like I initially posted it whenever I finished it because I was like, well... It is a work that I did, and mm-hmm. I, I want stuff in my portfolio, and then I, I didn't care for it, so I took it back down, and then I later on changed my mind and put it back up, and I did have like a couple of people be like, oh, that's super cute. <laughs> you know, it's cheesy as hell, but I mean, I had my nieces in it, it's kind of cute. <laughs> I'm like, that's one of those things where like, as I grow as a filmmaker, and I look back at those early short films, I'm kind of like, they're kind of basic. Like, they're not bad, but they're super basic yeah. short films. You can tell what I noticed, like, we haven't done it often. I think we've done it twice in the two years or however long we've been together at this point. Um, we've gone and read my old, you know, high school shit because there's hundreds of them, so you never read the same one twice. Um, I think early on, 
it's basic, you're right, but there's an element of there of you there that is just unpracticed, mm-hmm. but you can still see the choices that you made then that you're making now. It's not completely disconnected. Yeah. You're like, I know what I meant to do. <laughs> I just didn't know how to do it the way I know how to do it now, you know. But I'm like torn as a again, ideally, um, evolving artist like ideally an evolving (laughs) artist you just like you're like I made one it's as good as it gets for me guys I I I don't know what to tell you You I'm never gonna learn how to do anything better than this you never know at the end of the year they could still be basic bitch films (laughs) so um, I'm gonna go ahead and air quote ideally evolving artist um like I, I like I struggle with that concept. Like as I do a film, that I'm like, okay, well that's better than the last one, and then the next one, like that's better than the first one, you know, or whatever. Like, yeah. Do I leave those films up, or do I go back and take those films down? And like, I feel like any artist in general probably really wants to be known for their better work, yeah. not their not better work. So like, that's probably a normal thought to have. But at the same time, um, like whenever I was like reading the articles and stuff earlier today they were talking about how when you do regular work so whether it's you know writing rooms or short films or whatever like that you're also kind of building a tribe of people that um, speaking of which i might have my writing group starting to come together what? we're three people to be. <laughs> but we're all antisocial so i don't know how the fuck <laughs> we're gonna link up <laughs> but you like start building this tribe of people that like like the same sti- type of stuff that you yeah. do or like have similar styles or whatever and then you kind of start building an audience as well that you know appreciates your specific art so like at the same time like I'm kind of like ooh, do I take down that old work that I'm not as proud of or is that kind of like the symbol of growth so then like your people kind of I guess grow with you and yeah. you can kind of look back on that and be like man look how far we've come well like my favorite thing in the world you know outside of the the writing stuff and <coughs> you is i i love listening to stand-up comedy I, I love listening to stand-up comedy so i find guys that are you know hyper early in you know that show up on one of the podcasts that you know is off off kilter and I find that everything that dude's doing right now, and I'm like, oh, he's like brand new. <laughs> Nobody's found this kid yet, you know? And then I get to see, you know, 10 years down the line, somebody who really, really starts gaining some traction. Yeah. I had like Bill Burr's like first CD. <laughs> so like for me, the progression's important. You shouldn't be ashamed of it. It was something that made sense at that period of your life. I think too there's that sense of because especially i think when an artist is like more famous and more successful and they have like regular (coughs) sorry i guess um new people like coming on board that maybe didn't know them before or whatever if they Mm -hmm. go back and look at their old work like people can kind of like especially if it's another artist like get that sense of like well look where they started from and this is doable and if you work hard like you can kind of get to this level yeah. that I have Eminem's now. Infinity like it's on CD I've got it I don't have the original cassette tapes he sold out of the trunk of his car but <laughs> I've got Eminem when it was him in a basement and it's one of my favorite albums to listen to because dude just keeps dropping shit every day it seems <laughs> you didn't have Godzilla in the you know Infinity album but you had the, the 
very clever, very um, focused on the wordplay. Like, that was still there. Yeah. Kind of all over the place tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're fine. But, I mean, you do, like, I, I feel like that when you're kind of raw and real about your own growth, yeah. that does kind of... When you're out here grinding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it kind of encourages other people that, like, see that journey and they're kind of like, oh, like, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody ends up successful because they started with millions of dollars and people just, you know, throwing shit Nobody you give a shit about started with millions of dollars. Everybody you love started from fucking (coughs) damn near nothing, you know? Maybe a little bit better than you, but, you know, not any level successful or they wouldn't feel the need to develop their skills in such a way. Mm -hmm. Everybody's fighting somebody. Who are you fighting, probably? Myself and my dad. <laughs> but I, I, Thanks for the hyper personal question. <laughs> Who are you fighting, Kristen? <laughs> but yeah, Vanderbilt. Myself. My my basic bitch films and myself. Um, <laughs> but I do like that too. Um, like kind of having those limitations on you when you're early on, like kind of force you to be more creative. So like, I feel like when you're still kind of trying to develop who you are and still trying to gain some traction, like you can be more experimental and kind of like pull really from your own creativity. So it's just kind of nice. Like when you're in that weird, like I'm growing as an artist phase, like what am I capable of? Like, let's Mm -hmm. try this. Oh, that didn't work out. Let's try this. So, I'm in my weird growing phase. Of how much you want to show like this early in or? No, I just think in general, like, what am I capable of? Like, um, I don't know. Like Taking with... over the fucking world. <laughs> like with the dolly shot, that's a super basic concept. Like the dolly shots, dolly shots are really. You figured out how to do it without a dolly. <laughs> that's not basic. It is, but I mean, it's like it we, is we've a really... been watching like this documentary about babies learning how to talk. Okay, <laughs> that's basic as fucking. It looks complicated as shit. <laughs> but I mean, like a dolly shot's a really basic thing they teach you in film school, and it's like one of the first things you learn, and it's super easy. But I've never <clears throat> done one because I don't, I don't own a dolly, and it was just yeah. like, uh, like if I wanted to do this, how would I do this? And it was like, okay, let's figure this out. So like, it's kind of. Like, more in that vein, like, if I wanted to do it, how would I do it, mm-hmm. and can we do it? Like, the chainsawing the door and all that, like, if we're going to do it, how are we going to do it, yeah. you know? So I'm kind of in that weird growing phase of, like... You're like, always going to be in a growing off? phase. Like, the another, you know, masterful piece of advice from Stephen King's on writing, two times one episode, uh, there's no master of the craft. Every time we think we found the master of the craft... <clears throat> Poor Matt McCarthy. Um, every time we think we found the master of the craft, <clears throat> Stephen King. Kristen or Pennington. Kristen Pennington. Um, somebody else steps up to the plate and grew up on the master of the craft. You know, Hemingway is the end all be all, unless you've read anybody since Hemingway that's worth their grain of salt. Shakespeare. Shakespeare uh, is so far back that he can go eat a thousand dicks. I did no, I don't respect. No, I can't say that. I, I have trouble respecting things written before 1970 because they feel like they were written in another world. But I have a handful of exceptions. I have a I have a handful of exceptions. 
that I will draw from, you know, on occasion. I respect the shit out of Hemingway. <laughs> I like their great Gatsby's. I, uh, things get foggy. You know? <laughs> I don't know anybody who was writing in the 1920s that, you know, I... Can relate to. That I would put down my new <laughs> Cormac McCarthy novel for. You know? <laughs> I have a 1970s deadline. Like, if you... There's Hunter Thompson and pre-Hunter Thompson, and those are different worlds. Those, those things don't... And the weird thing is eventually we're going to be those yeah. people. Yeah, and Hunter Thompson's like, going to be those people. Our kids probably not going to respect McCarthy. No, but like their, their kids won't because I'm going to beat McCarthy. We're into all going to be on flying spaceships. If well, we that's what we were supposed survive. to be. Yeah. And uh, how did we get here? I'm lost. <laughs> no, I was just saying, like talking about things being like antique or like out yeah, of touch yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like if we don't all die in a fiery blaze, we're going to be on weird spaceships one day, and they're going to be like. That Brett Bloom really didn't get it, did he? <laughs> he did not understand the struggles of man. Kristen's films. Has she ever even seen a spaceship? Yeah, no, they're going to dose us all up with Soma, and you know we're all going to be staring blindly at the wall, shitting into little catheter bags, and watching television sets of virtual reality worlds where we are successful sim people. And, Fun times, can't wait. And then like one day, one of us is going to wake up and go, you know... We're all really like sim people. The spoon isn't real. Yeah. We're there is no in, spoon. We're living in a simulation. Maybe we're all God. <laughs> and that's how we do real conversations. <laughs> I'm still pretty sober. I've only had two beers. <laughs> I'm just post-work exhausted. <laughs> and post-work hungry for cheese sticks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I've kind of covered all my notes, though, actually. I don't think I had a whole lot more than yours. Um, we covered that. Less backstory, more character development, oh, or I, less character development. I did have one more. Um, like another thing for like kind of, I feel like both short films and short stories. Like um, if you can make a short anything and make it compelling, like have these rich characters yeah. that have interesting backgrounds or, you know, if it's a film, like well done shots and like this you know balanced like interesting story like you can make a successful novel or feature length film or whatever like the more you practice these like develop tight little moments like it's easier to kind of expand on them yeah. so like whenever you know how to have interesting characters and interesting backgrounds and interesting plot points and all that. Like you can kind of how to like, develop your sentence and balance your shots and yeah. build the music as we refer to it often yeah. in here. So it's another argument for doing the regular short films or the regular short stories. Like you're practicing, not just the technique of writing or the technique of filming, like the technique of storytelling. And once so that... you, once you compile it all together, no can defend. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean like whenever did you write your novel first or did you write the short stories first uh, kind of a mix I was writing the short stories <coughs> releasing those uh, immediately um, on days where I couldn't write toward the novel where I was stuck but I was working in an Amazon warehouse and I couldn't talk to anybody and I couldn't listen to music so I had nothing to think about and I would write like whole chapters in my head and then go home and type them up yeah but, like, you've since you first did the first draft, like, finished school and done, like, all these classes and all these exercises yeah. and, like, written 
so many more well, I think stories. that's what's complicating the rewrite is every time that I before you know uh, recently when I got all the notes done um, and now I have to type it by hand back into my laptop it's on another episode if you want the uh, reason for that um, like I Every time I would go back, I'd be like, well, I just learned this thing, and I just learned this thing, so this doesn't make sense. And I would become so focused on, instead of having the whole toolkit as I have it right now, um, and I'm still applying tools every day, I'm learning something I read every day, so I'm always figuring something new out. Um, (laughs) My toolkit was still developing at such a rate where I was like, well, you know, I'd, I'd write something, you know, one week, and then I'd be pissed off with it the next week because I had too many semicolons or too many M dashes. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, so no, you're constantly developing. Did I did I answer the question? I mean there wasn't no, I asked you if you wrote the novel first. Yeah, no, but the, the novel was being written while the first couple of short stories were coming out because I would have all these ideas that were cool but they didn't work in the book. So I would just have the idea and be like, well, I'll fucking flesh that out so it's out of my head so I can focus on what it is that I'm trying to play with. kind of proves the point, though. I mean, like, I've never made a feature film, so I don't really have any... Like, I've worked on feature films, but I personally have never made a feature film. And those are two vastly different things. Like, we'll get into that in a second. But, um, like, I, I feel like you're kind of a personal proof. Like, you... I'm a renaissance man. <laughs> like you <laughs> knew you wanted to be a writer and you had this novel idea that you really... Ba-dum-tsh. Novel idea. <laughs> um, that you, you know, thought was like really yeah. compelling. But then since you've kind of put it aside and like done all these other short works and done yeah. all this other work, you've like significantly developed your skill set. So when you go back and read it now, you're like, this needs some work. Yeah. So like I think I've always is- said it's a good story and the writing is shit. Yeah, the okay. writing is actually pretty decent. Like it, 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 it's subpar. It's publishable. You know, there's no plot holes in the story, really. I mean, you know, there's a missing child, but I can fix that <laughs> fast. Fix that kid. Yeah, just don't introduce him, and mm-hmm. I don't have that plot hole anymore. There's an unbelievable uh, way to get me into the house that I need to be into. Um, but outside of those two issues, it's a publishable work. Yeah. But I've improved to the point where I'm like, I can't publish this. This yeah. is not how I write anymore, you know. And like, a, I don't know, maybe that's kind of a silly thing to like pat ourselves on the back for. But I, I like that. That is literal proof. Like whenever you put in the work, even if it's smaller adventures, like the short stories of the short films, like your overall quality of your work, which that was like another thing they were arguing that um, quantity is what leads to quality. So like whenever you do more work and you build these skills up, you build up the quality. So when you go to do the big feature, the big novel or whatever, you know what you're doing. Yeah. You have (laughs) the skills that you need. And I feel like a lot of people in the film industry, and I was probably guilty of that myself early in as well, like have this mindset that you have to, start at the bottom and kind of just earn your keep and slowly, hopefully work your way up yeah. if people let you. Go be a boom operator. Quit writing. Go be a boom operator. Eventually you'll be in the assistant director's chair with a script thing that you can't fucking you know, oh. stretch out for an hour and a half. Like for a filmmaker, it's production assistant. Like you're the person who goes and gets the coffee. Like I've literally mm-hmm. been sent to the store to buy 
wardrobe with the company card before and that was like my job and like that's kind of obnoxious it's like i'm like your secretary basically yeah and like it has nothing to do with the craft that you're trying to learn and ideally you put in all these hours and eventually maybe you'll get to be like the camera assistant or you know the sound yeah. person or whatever or you open your own fucking production company you say suck my dick a thousand times we'll make 25 dollar films until the fucking cows come home yeah, <laughs> Which, to be fair, like, I, you know, I know people that kind of took that path and don't have day jobs yeah. anymore. Like, they do actually work enough that that is what they do for a living. But I know people that have spent a decade or more in the film industry trying to hopefully build up. And they're still not at the, you know, peak of whatever it is. Like, you know, people that started as PAs who are just, like, assistant directors instead of directors. Yeah. or people who started as grips and they're still just grips and it's like they're not the head of the sound department or whatever and or sorry head of the electrical department and um I don't, that just sounds kind of miserable like and then there's it sounds like every other job we've ever had because it's yeah. not doing what you set out to do yeah yeah and then there's that story that i always call back to of david sandberg who made a short film with his wife and mm -hmm. it got turned into a feature film. And to be fair, I haven't watched the feature film. The feature film could suck. <laughs> but we did but watch the short together and it's pretty did. solid. And But he made a career out of, like he did a bunch of short films of literally just him and his wife. Like all of those short films, his wife is the actress and he's the one shooting it. And he is now a director who directs feature length films because he was like, you know, I'm just going to kind of do my own thing and build my skill set and maybe yeah. it'll catch on and... He didn't, or I'm, I don't know what he was doing before, to be fair. He could have, you know, done some odd jobs on film sets, but he didn't waste his life away towing under somebody yeah. else trying to gain momentum. And, like, I have never worked on a film set as a lower position and learned more than I've learned from the work that you and I have done together. Like, my first job as a PA, I did learn a ton of stuff about equipment and names and positions on yeah. set and like technical things that i could have learned in a book as well and jokes like she's the dp <laughs> <laughs> you were the one who made that joke. <laughs> <laughs> me and any dude who's ever been on a film set and like i've done higher up positions like i've been a camera assistant and yeah. you know a script supervisor and like various jobs like that and it's definitely a learning experience. I'm not knocking it. If you can get like a lower level job on a film set, you definitely learn from it. But I, as an artist, have learned and developed more from like our little like short films where we're like, we're just kind of playing around. How's this going to end off. up? Let's yeah. figure it out. And like, it's way more valuable. Cause it's like, a lot more fun than getting coffee. <laughs> it is. <It's, laughs> I've never been sent on a coffee run. I've been sent on some stupid runs, but not coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Not that PA. <laughs> um, I don't have anything left. I, I, I was going to have a whole discussion with you on one specific short film. If you brought up one specific short or one specific short story, if you brought up one specific short film, but you didn't. So I'm just going to offer it up to the listeners uh, who are. No, 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 no. I'm ready to go eat. Okay. Um, and if, I, I don't know if you've read this, so <laughs> I've not read it recently. Um, but it was one that was brought about 15 times while I was in school. So if you've been to school for writing, then you've definitely read this thing at one point or another. It's Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. Um, it's a master class on how a person writes a short film. Or, fuck. 
<laughs> on how a person writes a short story. Um, I believe it's public domain, so you should be able to read it. Uh, if not, it's it's sold at every goddamn bookstore. It, you should read more Shirley Jackson in your life. I don't promote enough female authors. Um, but yeah, go go out, read the lottery. If you've read it fifteen times as I have, then you know you understand why it's incredible. But maybe it'll you know kick up some inspiration. Uh, or you can swing on over to our website, uh, the Nightmare Box Blog, and you can see what I make of the short stories on, <laughs> <laughs> on over there. Uh, if you want to see our short film, Happy Birthday, you can go on to YouTube.com/slash Nightmare Box Productions, or you can quickity quack on over there to the Twitter at Nightmare Box Pro, or you can take all the pictures in the world, send them to us over at. At Nightmare Box Productions. But if you want to have like a real long form discussion, you can find us over at Facebook. Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. We want to build a community, people. We want to watch all of your films. We want to read all of your fucking stories. We want to see where you are now and where you're going to go. So, do you have anything else, love? The email. Oh, yeah. If you, <laughs> if you don't want everybody else to see it or hear about it, you can shoot us an email over at... Uh, Nightmare Box Productions at Gmail. And we'll check that daily. We're waiting on you. Join the fucking squad. <laughs> Love you, sweetheart. Love you. Ready to go eat some mozzarella sticks? Get fucked ready. up? Very ready. That's how I do my Wednesdays. <laughs> Love you. Love you. I love you guys. And we'll talk to you on Friday. Go fuck yourself, Fagan, and you goddamn can. Directed me on not knowing the Mario songs. <laughs> you can't.